courage. Something that everyone here will agree with. But I wonder if we can begin to say, God, give me that which I need for my life in courage. Let me ask you a question. Are you one of those people where you will make do with something? Where you'll think, oh, well, it's okay. Because what we make do with and what you will absolutely not make do with, that you say, no, I'm not putting up with that, that's a really important distinction. It's really important to know what you will just let go and what you will say, absolutely not, I won't let go. Story of the running shoes, part two. So I've left my running shoes 115 miles away, thinking to myself, well, that's going to take ages to get them back. And so I had a gift card from Amazon, and I got some hard-earned cash of my own. And so I sent off and ordered for some new running shoes. And uh, they were so, like, superb. They're going to knock at least five seconds off every kilometer I run, I'm sure. And they come, and they're just too small. And I think to myself, I could get away with this. But then over time and over distance, those things are going to cripple me, aren't they? If they're too small. So I think, no, I'll send them back. Send them back, thinking it'll be a couple of days. Sent them back to me. Wrong size again. Too small. I'm thinking, man, as the host of the next Commonwealth Games, sorry Gold Coast, but we are going to do as good a job as you, uh, and, and as next host of the Commonwealth Games, I can't run in running shoes that are too small, so I sent them back. And if I'd have put up with them, it would have dishonoured the person who gave me the gift card, who gave me the gift, because I would have wasted their gift. It would have dishonoured my hard-earned cash. Because I would have wasted money. And it struck me. I just wonder if we are putting up with less than what's best for our lives as we travel. And dishonoring the gift of God that he's pouring into our lives. And actually dishonoring the discipleship that we're all invested in. There might be some areas in our lives where we are just making do. But in other areas, we're insisting that we really have to have that thing that is actually of not much lasting value. I wonder what you're letting go, and I wonder what we're all insisting on that actually doesn't mean that much at all. We all want to develop all of our virtues from the grace and from the fullness of God, and to actually Today's virtue, courage, we were, it's really important because on courage, it's the ladder that all other virtues climb up. It's a doorway that allows you to develop lots of other things in your life. Because, and here's the reason, it deals with the basic level of fear in our lives. And it's fear that stops us doing so much for God and for ourselves and for our family. It's fear 
that causes inaction in our lives. Courage is not just a hero's gift. It's a command in the Scriptures. It's not just a macho thing that, as a man, I speak on Father's Day because I know that courage is needed by everyone, even our children at school. Courage is a command. It's a command in the Scriptures. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. Particularly, it's a command when we're breaking into new areas. And how many of you believe with me that BCC is breaking into new areas? Can I hear an amen, church? Courage is needed when we're breaking into areas. Courage is needed when we're holding our ground that we don't want to let go. You'll need some courage to hold on to some valuable things that you say, no, that is not going out of my life. I stand my ground. You're going to need some courage. Joshua chapter 1 verse 6 says this, Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Verse 7, be strong and be courageous. Be very careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it from the light, to the right or to the left. You see, courage keeps you on track. It helps you to sift out the distractions so that you may be successful wherever you may go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. For the Lord will be with you wherever you go. At verse 18, if you're following along, only be strong and be courageous. Wind history forward to the book of Ezra when Israel had been in the land and now they're out of the land and now they're coming back to the land. And Ezra is trying to set up the new temple and the new society. His leaders say to this, riot rate, say to him, Ezra, don't worry about preaching strong because we need it. And they say, rise up in this matter, is in your hands, we will support you. So take courage and do it. And I felt great courage from my leaders over these last few weeks. In the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, Paul says to the church of that day, be on your God, stand firm in the faith, be courageous and be strong. The whole idea of virtue is not some weakness of of people just being nice, but the idea of virtue, and particularly this virtue of courage, means strength. One picture is of a man bursting out of his shirt. Some men look like Hulk in the mornings, I know. But the idea of courage means that you're bursting out of your containment, that you're coming out. Virtue is the way that you give strength from one thing to another. When you see a virtuous person, they give you strength. In medicine, there's a concept that if a plant has lots of virtue, it means that it's got lots of strength to produce medicine. Virtue is the ability of one thing to have influence and give strength to another. Do you remember in Luke chapter 8, verse 46, Jesus is in a crowd and there are people pressing around him and... and, uh, Uh, He's on his way to heal someone and and he says, who touched me? 
And they said, Lord, how can you say who touched me? It's a crowd. It was like the men all at the front. There'd be somebody in the middle saying, well, which one of you touched me? And he said, because I felt virtue, strength, power, not just healing power, but actually moral power to touch that lady, to go out of him. You see, developing virtue is a spiritual releasing of God's strength into your life to be able to live for him. And courage is one of those strengths that we need. You see, the way that you define your virtues is how you'll define your strength. What you define as your values and what you define as important will give you your strength or sap your strength. It will be an ability of the person who wants to be what God wants them to be will be largely defined of how they develop virtues in their life. If you define your value as to have a good quality of life, instead of defining that we value life and that we live a valuable life, and if we focus our intention, just our attention only on the quality of life that we have, when something troubles the quality of your life, you will be distracted to get that quality of life back instead of focusing on the type of life that God wants you to live. And so how you define your value and your virtue will define your strength. So don't focus all the time on what's my quality of life. Of course God wants you to have a quality of life, but He actually wants you to live a valuable life. He wants you to live a surrendered, sacrificial life where you make effect on other people. You see, we have to be willing to allow God to impart to us that which he needs in, to, in order to strengthen us. So it means that you're going to have to partner and cooperate with him. I, I see people all, all the time, you know, and they sit in church and say, well, God doesn't do anything to me. And it's, and it's like that they are not willing for God to do anything for them. They're afraid that what God might ask them. I read a parable about a tree and a stone under the effects of the sun. The stone sat there and said, you're just making me hot. The tree blossomed and said, you're giving me life. You see, God's willingness to impart strength is there. It's our willingness to partner and obey with Him that will make the difference. So can I ask you, are you a stone? Or are you a tree? God, God's just making me, he's putting the heat on me. All I do is get a bit hot. Or are you someone who's saying, I'm open to God and he's feeding me and he's bringing me life. You see, this is what the Bible says about our partnership of develop, with developing virtue. Look at Psalm 37, if you've got a Bible, it says this, trust in the Lord and do good. Put your trust there and then do some good. And you will dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Do you see that partnership? Commit your way to the Lord and trust him and he will do this. You see, if you're the sort of person that's trusting, taking delight, committing your way, you're doing your openness and your willingness then he's going to give you safe pasture, help you dwell in the land, give you the desires of your heart. And it says, he will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn and vindicate you like the noonday sun. He's going to lift you up. 
He's going to bring things to you because he's got a willing partner. I have an old saying that I uh, always say to Kathy, well, God can't drive a parked car. Put it into gear, move with him, and God will move with you. And God will begin to bring things into your life. My heart has to be open. I have to say, whatever you want to plant in there, plant it, Lord, and allow the Lord to fill us and develop our courage, and he will help us. And this is is what the difference will make. You see, I think feelings are really important. I think that God often uses our feelings to say, you're feeling this because there's a deeper reason. I think that's important. But I don't think feelings can be our only decision maker. And this is the thing where courage comes in. When you ask God for courage, your feelings don't become your only way of making decisions. Well, I don't feel like it. I I don't feel good about that person. I don't feel good about this situation. You see, when you ask the Lord to fill us with courage, He will help us not to make our feelings the main driver in our decision maker. We will get a much more balanced decision making system when we say, God, give me the courage to do that which is right. Because this is the definition of courage courage is doing what is right despite how you feel. In whatever circumstance, Courage has been able to do that which is right. Now, everybody, just pause with me. You're all going to agree with this message. But I want to ask you, have you got something before you where you need God's strength and your discipleship to come together so you do what's right? Ask God for that strength, that ability. You see, courage is not, it's not true that courageous people never feel fear. That's Hollywood's version. It's not true that every act of being brave is actually courageous. It might be an instinct lashing out. It might be somebody actually acting in fear. You can be fearless and still act in a cowardly way where you have no real self-restraint. People can look at you and say, oh, how fearless they are, but actually you're not restraining yourself, and that's cowardice. Courage is the willingness to act out your godly convictions despite any circumstance and any feeling. That you say, God, this is what your word says. I, I feel that this is really difficult, but I know your word says to do this, so I'm going to act and do that. When you think about David for a moment, we're going to study him on Wednesday night, but David had the opportunity to kill Saul several times. On one particular occasion, Saul was asleep in a cave and he had an assistant with him called Abishai. And Abishai whispered to him and said, David, now's your chance. We've got him. We've got him. If I stick this spear in, I tell you this, I won't have to do it twice. I can get him with one blow. And David said, no. Do you think that anybody who kills the king and the Lord's anointed, it doesn't have any consequences? Restrain yourself. See, courage sometimes is holding back. Courage is sometimes not saying what you feel. Courage is sometimes saying, 
hang on a second, they deserve that, but my grace tells me I'm not doing this. David's, uh, one of David's wives, Abigail, had the same restraint. She was married to a fool. His name actually was Nabal, which means fool. And he was an insulting person. And he caused anger in the army with David and they were coming to get him. And it was Abigail who threw herself and bowed before David and offered him gifts and taught David restraint. I wonder whether we could say we can act in courage this week by not doing what our feelings tell us. You see, courage without character is simply bravado. Courage is doing what's right in every opportunity. And I know that some of you here, the Bible says, encourage everybody every day. And you've been encouragers despite the pain that you've been in. You've shown great courage to live through the pain that you've had. I read a story about a mother dropping off her son at school for the first time. After a long absence. Let me read it to you. He said this. I don't want to do this. I know. Said the mom. Please let me stay at home with you. Please mother. I'll be good. And she could see that his eyes were brimming with tears. And, and at 10 is such a tender age. And not at one at which a boy should have to deal with all the things that he's having to deal with. His lip trembled and he clutched her sleeve. It's not a matter of you being good, Sean. You're, you're always good. It's about your life. And how long can you stay with me? Don't you know that I, I want you to stay at home, but I love you and I'd like to keep you beside me every day. And that would make me happy. But it would also make me selfish. No, Sean. You have to go back to school and you have to go back to life. I'm afraid, he said in his small voice, I'm, I'm frail, I'm defenseless and those children are stupid and cruel and full of, the world's full of stupid, cruel children. Have you had some conversations like that with your children sometimes? I know they are. Is it alright to be afraid? Yes, it's alright. I don't want to do this, said Sean. But that's all right too. It's not wanting to. It, it's feeling brave that makes you feel brave. It's doing it anyway. Do you think they'll laugh at me? His mum hesitated, wondering how much truth she could give this young mind. And she said this, some will, Sean. Some will stare. Others will ask idiotic questions. Some will try and help some will be friendly and some won't, won't know what to do. And he began to sob and sigh and a really wet, lonely sigh and deep, full of pain that racked his frame. And she longed to clutch onto him into her breast and protect him from this terrible thing and drive away with him into the distance and keep driving. She clutched at the steering wheel and fought to keep from screaming. You want me to get out? Do you want me to get out and help you? And he said, no, no, everybody's watching. I'm, and she said, I'm proud of you. And he didn't answer. But he fumbled instead at the door handle and the car at the back 
honked his horn and she struggled to suppress his, her rage. What did they want her to do? Push him out on his face? And the car door swung open and Sean hoisted himself out, bracing for a moment on his metal crutches and then hefting his weight onto the curb. With his left crutch, he slammed the door and turned his face to the knot of children on the school front steps. For a moment, they stared at each other and then stared at him across the gulf of this desperate experience. Her little son, remembering what it was like to have legs, and the other sons and daughters wondering what it was like not to have them anymore. At last he started towards them, away from her and the safety of her, swinging his prosthetic legs in syncopation with his crutches. I love you, she whispered, knowing he could not hear. And I'm proud of you. Then the driver behind honked his horn again and she shouted in a rearview mirror, all right, all right, I'm moving on. Sometimes courage all the time courage is acting in a way despite your pain despite your circumstances where do we get that courage from where do we get that type of courage that says I'm not going to give in you see the issue of courage is to deal with our basic issues about fear. Because it's fear that stops us all doing what we're supposed to do. By how much fear you have in your life. And can I say Christian parents, you cannot parent by fear. You have to parent by faith. Because your children will turn your hair white. Look at me. <laughs> I used to have dark hair. You will need faith and trust. I want to say to everybody here, inside of you there's a level of fear. Will I fail? Will I be rejected? Will I do what I'm supposed to do in life? And the issue and getting the virtue of courage, it stops that fear, and that fear stops us doing what we're supposed to do. You see, not all fear is unwholesome. But if you fear the wrong thing, you will never fear the right thing. And if you fear the right thing enough, you will never fear the wrong things. At all. My little granddaughter had one of those pet days in her nursery and they put a snake round her neck. She had no fear about it at all. We are going to grow her up so that she fears that in the future. We don't want her to be healed of that fear. Isn't that right, Kathy? Not all fear is unwholesome. But if you fear the wrong things, you will never fear the right things. But if you fear the right things, the wrong things will not trouble you at all. 
All lesser fears are swallowed up in the fear and the attentiveness. And when we say fear, we mean reverence and the attentiveness to God. Everybody in the house, this is a scripture that you need to memorize and commit to your heart. Proverbs 29 verse 25. Perhaps you'll turn there. The fear of man will prove to be a snare to you. But whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. You have a choice today. You can live in the safety of the Lord or in the snare of your fears of man. Let's make sure that we defeat some common fears. First of all, the fear of others. This is the fear that their ability or their opinion of you can cause your life to go in a, in a different direction that it's meant to go into. You think that they will change your status and alter the course of your life. But I want to say to you today on the authority of God's word, God has the course of your life in his grip. And the value that he attaches to your life overshadows every other person's opinion about you. The Bible says that in Colossians that your life is now hidden in Christ, in God, and that's your life. So your life is in his grip. So you don't need to fear those opinions of people who say, I can change the course of your life. Because actually, the course of your life is under God's direction and God's hand. Can I hear an amen, church? You have to begin to say, you may be saying that, but God is my shield and my defender. The second fear that we have is the fear, and young people know this well because they've got a, a kind of abbreviation for it, the fear of missing out on an opportunity. They call it FOMO. Fear of missing out. Fear of not being included. The fear of missing something that you think you should have. I'm simply going to answer this one with a scripture. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. You see, God's going to bring things into your life. Opportunity, gifts, talents, love, people, places. He's going to bring everything into your life because it's not based on opinion. It's based on his grace for your life. God is going to look after you. And so you don't need FOMO fear, fear of missing out. God says he will supply all of your needs. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in glory. We have a fear that some people can alter the course of our lives. And don't you know that the Lord orders the righteous steps of a man? We have a fear of missing out, but don't you know it's the Heavenly Father that brings all the right gifts into our life? Another common fear that we have is the fear of security, of what might happen or what is going to happen. But did you know that God has a way of turning around even the hardest pain and that Romans 8 verse 28, although we rolls off the tongue because we all know it, but it says that the Lord, that God himself, God himself works all things together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. You know what? 
Let's deal with fear in our lives. Let's begin to mention, to name, and to confess, and to simply say to ourselves, let's call out the fear that's there, because then God can deal with it, He can fill His Word into it, and He can bring us to a place of trusting Him. So here's what I want you to do. Put the next slide on. Call out your fear. Lots of people are going to say, declare this. But you see, if you're declaring something, but underneath there's a latent fear that you've not confessed, that you've not been honest about, then you can declare all you like, but that fear will stay there. So right now, and this week, you need to say to yourself, God, this is what I'm afraid of. And he'll begin to speak into that. So the three kings in the Bible. King Herod, King David, and King Jesus. When I look at King Herod, it says in Matthew 14, verse 5, it says, and he was afraid of what the people thought. And that informed all of his decisions. In fact, he was so afraid that he'd lose face at a banquet because he'd made a silly oath. He was so afraid that the people at the banquet would feel bad instead of him dialing back and saying, oh, no, that was a silly thing to say. No, I don't want to do that. Instead of dialing back because he was afraid of losing face, John the Baptist was beheaded. You see, if you're afraid of people, you'll make rash and silly decisions. And if you live in that fear, unless you call it out and you say, well, the opinion of others really means so much to me, Lord, and call it out. We all get that way sometimes. You need to call it out. I see King David. When I see King David in the Bible, he was given a a city called Ziklag and he went on on a mission. And when he came back, some people had raided and taken away his wives, taken away his possessions. And his men looked at him and they were bitterly disappointed because after all, wasn't David going to be the king that the Lord had chosen? And why is this terrible thing happened to us? And it says this, 1 Samuel 30, you can read it, that the, day, that the, the men looked at him and they started picking up stones, scratching at them, thinking, shall we stone him or not? And what it says about David is, is that he inquired of the Lord and took encouragement to the Lord. You see, some of you need to heal yourselves of the Herod syndrome of always thinking about people. You need to turn away from people. I don't mean turn away from people who give you good advice or teaching or or encouragement and become one of those isolated people who doesn't listen to anybody. I don't mean that. I mean you need to turn away from people who have that opinion about you where you're always going to be at a ceiling, where you're never going to be a success, where you're always going to fail, where God isn't going to work for you. Turn away from those people because those opinions you don't need to listen to because God is on your side and he's going to do great things for you. You need to turn away. But you know what? You need to learn what David did. When he was surrounded by people who were against him, he turned to the Lord. See, I can feel in my spirit that right now some people need to do some turning away from some, but turning to the Lord. And what the Lord did with David is he he was encouraged in the Lord because he spent time in his presence, started to hear his word, and started to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said, go up, you will be successful. How do you know what the Lord thinks unless you go and turn to him? And then I hear 
another king. King Jesus. King Jesus who had great followers. Who had great devotion. The king of kings. Who was in a garden on his own. And he said, Father, if you're willing, you could take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will. You see, some of us need to turn away from people. And some of us need to turn to the Lord. But we all need to then turn it over to the Lord. And say, not my will, but your will. Some of you are facing some things that are very difficult. And you need to turn it over to God's will. Jesus didn't want to do it. He wasn't feeling like it. But he said, despite how I feel, despite that I would prefer that you would take this cup away, not my will, but your will. This is courage. This intentional decluttering of the fears that we're carrying around is so important and needs to be done because they are actively slowing you down. The fears that you are carrying around are moving you off course from the divine destiny that God has for you. They are weighing you down and it's time for you to turn away Turn to and turn it over. Why don't you stand with me? Yeah, thank you, Jesus. He can deal with the fears that we carry around. You know, if you imagine a tank with liquid in it and there's a plug at the bottom... This prayer right now, if that tank and the liquid is your fears, let's pull the plug on it so it drains out of your spirit. Come on, lift your hand with me. Just pray this prayer. I turn away from false opinion, Lord. You know, you'll be teachable. You'll listen to the right things. You'll listen to the things that grow you. But the things that are full of fear and full of limitation, you're going to turn away from them now. Just pray it one more time. I turn away from false opinion, Lord. Simply, I'm turning to you, Lord. Let's get God's mind on things. Let's get God's perspective on things. Let's place it in his hands. Let's really give it to him. Let's really say, I'm turning to you, Lord. So just one more time, will you pray with me? I turn to you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. Speak to me, Lord. And then that difficult thing that you're facing. It's a simple prayer. I turn it over to you, Lord. Come on, let's all pray it. I turn it over to you, Lord.
Let's pray the prayer of Jesus. Not my will, but your will be done. Come on, everybody. Not my will, but your will be done. See, these prayers are going to start releasing fear out of your life. And everybody has agreed with me about this message. Everybody would say, well, I haven't got many fears. But until you start digging down and start calling it out, you've got to start dealing with them and saying, I'm giving you this, Lord. I'm turning away from false opinion. I'm turning to the Lord. I'm turning it over to you, Lord. Can you remember that this week? Turn away, turn to, turn it over. This is the last sentence that I'm going to say to you today. What do you face? What is the right thing for you to do in what you're facing? God can give you the grace for what you face. You can do it despite your feelings. So one last prayer. Heavenly Father, give me the grace for what I face. Holy Spirit, would you just do a deeper work in our church right now? Courage. Come on, say it out loud with me. Courage. Turn to your neighbor and say, take courage. Take courage. Do you remember when Jesus met the disciples? He said, take courage. Don't be afraid. Hey, we won't do this much, but I just feel it's the right thing. Turn to someone else and say, you can have grace for what you face. Come on, turn it. He wants to give you that strength. You can have grace for what you face. Turn it over to him. Turn it over to him. Turn it over to him.